Well, we, uh, of course, appreciate very much uh, the Zambian Children's Choir singing for us today. And reminder, again, they're going to be back here at 6 o'clock tonight. Tickets are $5. That goes for the cost. of They flew, actually flew in this morning at the airport and just really, I know, worked really hard to get up here for the A15 service. We appreciate that. But also be an offering received as well. Great way to support that ministry, the life. And I remember being in Zimbabwe a few years ago and little girls came up to sing a song for me. They saw me sitting there. They were little bitty girls and I was waiting for some very exotic uh, Zimbabwean song and they sang Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. So... Uh, I know you'll be blessed. You can bless them as well. What a great place to begin begin building a campfire. When you arrived, you might have seen a real fire on this side. We actually have one out there. Uh, We're we're very literal here sometimes. There's a literal campfire. And so if you want to go out that way and warm yourself, which you probably don't because it's warm enough, you go there. We also have some uh, also more artificial fires around the campus. You'll see them here and there to remind you of the series we're in right now. Four-week series. And the question is, where are you building your campfire. Where are you building your campfire? A few years ago, I was invited to go with some of our young people. They were having a big bonfire not far from here. Uh, And when I arrived out there, it was supposed to be kind of some singing time and praying time and fire time. And they were going to cook hot dogs and marshmallows on the bonfire. And the mistake they made was they took this fire and they decided to, to stack up wood, probably about almost as tall as I am, And they had it about 10, maybe 12 feet wide. Now, if you know anything about fires, when you have that much fire going on, it's pretty hot. And so the idea of actually cooking anything on it was pretty near impossible. It was funny watching some of the boys try to take uh, some clothes hangers and tie them together and to make them like 10 feet long and stand back like that to try to get close enough to the fire to be able to actually cook something. And they still couldn't do it. It was still too hot. No cooking that day. Now, here is the idea I have with the campfire theme. That is, God has given us the guidance and the gifts to build a life that is healthy and good. I thought a long time about that sentence. Now, of course, guidance is we have the Scripture, we have the Holy Spirit, we have Jesus, we have life and presence and church. There are many ways we can define what the guidance and gifts is, but still the key thought for me is that we have to build the life that's healthy and good. God won't do that for us. He will save our soul if we ask. He often answers our prayers. So he works in our life in amazing supernatural ways. But in the end, we must build our lives using the gifts that he's given us. It's our job to do that. We decide where, how, and what when it comes to building campfires and our connection. You saw the images that opened the service. People gathered around. Uh, some, some of those folks, their church families, who those people are. Uh, there's Some of them are friends. Some of them are family. Some just met that time for the first time. They're doing that video. And all around, they gather together. And they're friends now, if they weren't before, as they sat around this time, building a new part of their life by sharing with you an image. We want, it, we want you to understand that we decide, and God's given us what we need to build healthy and good campfires. I'm going to show you another picture. 
If you're new to our church, you may not be aware. Leave that picture up there for a while if you can. If you're new to our church, you may not be aware that for a long time, almost three years, I've been giving out God is big enough wristbands, and I'm wearing one today. If you don't have one, they're available at the back. Pick yours up and take it with you. We, we hope all the choir kids uh, will get those before they head, head on to the next church and eventually back to Zambia. But this is actually has a great story. These, this is a very new picture. Uh, this is a member of our church who kind of led this. She has actually been the captain of a, uh, of a drill dance performing team at Tarleton State University for uh, the last three years. Uh, she's now becoming a, a grad assistant on that same team and that same university. Uh, and her story is they had a very difficult year last year for a lot of reasons. And she realized if we don't do something, it's not going to go well. It's going to go bad. And so she kind of stopped and gathered things together, came back to her home church, picked up God's big enough wristbands, took them back, gave them to all the folks on the team. In fact, I think Stephanie Gow helped a lot with making that happen. And families and parents and other people around. And they began to build this whole thing around something a little different. And that was not just that we, we, we dance and perform and try to get a good grade, but God is big enough. You see that image right there that, in a literal way, she said, we're going to build a healthy, good campfire here right now before we go any further. A simple illustration, but a powerful one, I think, because in a moment of stress and change and demands, a group of girls led by, led by one came together with their families on the theme, God is big enough, and it changed everything. Now we can take that picture off. Where are you? How are you building your camper. I'll say it again. God has given each one of us the gifts and the guidance to build a life that is healthy and good. We decide where to build our campfire. Now I'm going to read a couple of verses of scripture in Genesis, just verse one verse in chapter two and three verses in chapter three. These verses are around creation, creation of Adam and Eve. There's some words in here about marriage as well. And I'm going to be using some marriage analogies because that's what the Bible does here. But this also applies to relationships, friendships, church as whole, the, the, what you saw there with those girls at Charleston State University. So it goes beyond that. But again, I'll be using that image. So if you're, if you're not married, it still applies to you. Uh, and if you are, you'll make that connection even more quickly, I think. Verse 18, chapter 2, creation had happened. It had been done. The world was there. Had the garden going on real good. Had all the animals, you know, had the, had the sun and the, all the stuff that goes on with that Garden of Eden terminology. And verse 18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper. So hear the word. It says, It is not good for man to be alone, for people to be alone, for us to be alone, for us to be isolated from each other. It's really not between us, uh, isolated from God either. I'll talk about that in a second. Now chapter 3, just a few verses down the road here. We're in chapter 3, beginning at verse 8. And here in this text, we discover that things had gone bad because they quit building very quickly a healthy campfire and got a very unhealthy one because they invited someone into their campfire. And that guy that came in was called the devil, Satan, serpent. You know the story. And here's what happens after that, verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? 
And, he, and Adam said, I heard the sound of thee in the garden, and I was afraid. And so he hid himself. Hear those simple words. You know, a few years ago, and I have, a, I have an identical twin brother. For those who are guests here, you may not know that. He's a pastor of a church in Waco, Texas now. But uh, many years ago, we served two churches close together, about eight miles apart. Uh, and I'd been in that church for several years where I was, and he was new to his church. For whatever reason, he and his wife, Susan, decided to uh, come into the town that I was and either shop or go to the restaurant. I'm not sure exactly where this happened, but I, I know the story because I'm very familiar with it at this point. Uh, and he's there with his wife, and, and he notices, uh, my very funny brother, notices that people see him, and, and he realizes, most people go to my brother's church, I'll bet you. And, and they're seeing me with this, or what they think is Mike, with this strange woman here. And they're wondering who it is. And so my, my wonderful twin brother decided to give her a kiss. You know, and maybe a little, little hug here might be appropriate as well. Maybe a little pat. Does that go with it as well? And, and, he, and he does that. And, and, and he doesn't say anything to it. And I have to deal with that. When it comes back to me, basically, who was that woman that our pastor was with? Well, I was never there. It wasn't me. I'm innocent. You know, you know how that goes. And, and there is my brother. And I would have done it to him given the same opportunity. <laughs> Genesis 2.18. It's not good to be alone. You know, the creation story itself, God writes into the design of us and the world several things. This is before the law was given, before the Bible was created, before, before uh, any of the, uh, of the words in Leviticus or Deuteronomy or the Ten Commandments. None of that exists at this time. There's also no sin and death yet. And here's what God writes in the creation. First, he writes in the Sabbath. Immediately, that's part of the story as soon as they come out of the dust and, he, and Eve comes out of Adam's rib. There it is. Sabbath, one day a week, rest, focus, you know, that's worship. That's part of who they are. We also have written into creation God's presence because God comes down in the cool of the day and spends time with his creation. We have that. We have the world they're given to enjoy, and they're told to enjoy it. Enjoy what's around you. Enjoy my creation for you. And I got some stuff to do for you too. Take care of the garden. Name the animals. They have tasks to do. And they're given one limitation. What is the limitation? Okay, you've got a thousand trees you can eat of. There's one don't eat of, and that's one they eat of. So the only limitation, don't eat of this tree. If you do, you're in trouble, which is the one they eat. And in all that, he also adds this last part of creation. It's not good to be alone. I will create humanity in the context of community, the first being husband and wife. But it goes beyond that, surely. But that's what the Bible's talking about today, so I share that at this time. We go beyond that. The second thing that happens here, and the man and the wife, they hide themselves from the presence of the Lord God. Genesis 3.8. Now hear that. They, we often get this story wrong. We get the idea that God was just cruel and mean and drop kicked them out of the garden. Well, God came down like he always did. Let's walk together in the cool of the evening. And they hide 
themselves. It was their choice. Now, let's go back to what I said at the beginning. God has given us the guidance and the gifts to build a life that is healthy and good. We decide where we're going to build our campfire. They hid themselves. In that hiding, they find themselves lost. Grace had become guilt. Think about that campfire they had. That campfire of just grace. God created us. We love each other. God loves us. We walk together. We enjoy the garden. We, we have the Sabbath times. We, we enjoy God's presence together. We're not alone anymore. We walk together in this place. And, and here's some new animals we're discovering. And, you know, what's that, what's that tree? It's an avocado tree. You know, maybe it's the first time they see that. And that's going on there. And that grace that had been their life that they'd experienced around that campfire, it just went out. And guilt took its place. And they hide themselves. I've heard it said, and I've said it, that guilt is satanic. Grace is divine. And the warmth of God's love and grace had become guilt and shame, and nothing would ever be the same again. And what's the word? Sin came with their being. Now, I'm going to take a sidebar for a minute from the actual message. I think it applies, but it's not directly connected with the campfire theme, but I want to share it nonetheless and and share it with you. Uh, pastors can tell you that we do marriage counseling and conversation and guidance, whatever term you want to use, all the time. Uh, All six of our pastors do that, uh, and we could spend our entire ministry doing just that. Because marriage can be difficult sometimes, especially in our culture. It's very much anti-community, anti-marriage, anti-healthy relationships. And so it's more difficult than it's ever been. Uh, And you can find books on marriage and marriage counseling and marriage guidance and marriage support of all sorts. A secular, a psychological, Christian, uh, by the tens of thousands, they are there. Go online and click marriage support or marriage counseling. Boy, you're going to be busy, busy, busy sorting through all the ideas you're going to have. Well, I'm going to give you some very simple ideas. If you're in the marriage relationship, this is for you. If you're not, I think some of these things might apply to you in other ways anyway. So, so listen, please. Uh, what, what advice would I give? Well, I'd give to, to make marriage become that campfire where, uh, where we have grace and, and love and not, not guilt and shame. What would I say? Well, first, it's very simple now. You, can, you don't have to write it down. You can remember this. First, be nice to each other. It's the first thing I would tell a couple. Just be nice. We'd be surprised how relationships change and grow. The warmth is built. The fire burns. You know, that, that sense of that community that's there in a marriage and a family. It's by being nice. So often I discover life is broken because people are not nice. They're not nice to each other. Uh, and over a period of time, it destroys a relationship. So be nice. Be nice. If I wrote a book on marriage, that would be chapter one. Okay. Well, chapter two would be be faithful. Be faithful. When you make a commitment to someone, we keep that commitment. And that's number two is be faithful. And if we've not been I'm sorry, forgive me, and move on to a new life built around this new commitment to faithfulness. That's number two, be faithful. And number three, this may seem a little bit odd, or you may think, oh, I can't believe it's as simple as that, but I really think it is that meaningful for for us. And that is when a couple says, I'm going to come to church somewhere, uh, some church, some service, we have eight services here, lots of places to go, uh, come to church, I'm going to sit down to my, my spouse, we're going to sit down together, and we're going to sit in church together. 
Just sit there in church week after week after week after week. Not once a month, not twice a month, but every week. That Sabbath time rolls around. We sit down. We have church together. And if we can't be here, we're on vacation. We're in a hotel somewhere in Hawaii. There's online worship. We can do it there. I'm telling you that's significant. That's more than people think. And I have had so many people come back to me and say, Mike, that was much more than we thought it was going to be. That really did change how we relate to each other, doing that every week, just having that roll around each time. And the sermon may be good one week, may not be good the next week. doesn't matter. It's about that campfire. And those three things, as simple as they are, I have found they change relationships and build our life. And, and God's given us the ability to build that ourselves. He will save our soul for the asking. But we have to build our own lives. We have to build our own relationships, our own marriages, our own families, our own community, our own church, our own friendships. That's our task to do. And that's the campfire idea. It's about building a life around what we believe in God and friendship family, faith, around care and compassion. So I'll say those things again if you, you want, to, want to know what they are. Just be nice. Be faithful. Sit in church. Hold hands if you want to. Don't have to, but you can. Be surprised how it changes things for you and for me. Well, that's a sidebar. Uh, now back a little bit more to the center idea of this campfire message for all of us. Uh, and that's Genesis 3.10, where... Adam says, when God says, where are you, Adam? He says, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, so I hid myself. I hid myself. You know, it's interesting to note that, uh, and I read an article about this, that people sometimes marry inanimate objects. And in some places they can do it legally. And it's pretty remarkable, I think. There's a woman who's been married about 18 years to a roller coaster. True story. She said she began falling in love when she got into the first time when she was 12 years old. Same roller coaster. She goes there all. She says, I've probably ridden this roller coaster 3,000 times. She's in love with, she's married to the roller coaster. That is her husband. And she talks about it like a person. There's a man who married a steam engine. Not a locomotive, a steam engine locomotive. Uh, he wanted, I guess, a spouse that, you know, has all this gas come out the top. I don't know why. <laughs> That's what he chose to do. Did I say that out loud in church online where people can see it and repeat it and pass it on? Okay. Woman who married the Berlin Wall. Uh, when the Berlin Wall was torn down, they asked her what she thought about it. She said, it broke my heart. But she moved her love from the Berlin Wall to a fence nearby. And so even though she lost that one, she found another close enough. And so that's what she chose to do. This fellow in Japan who married a video game character, named himself after a video game character as well. He's not talking about this as a joke. This is serious for him. You know, he has married a video game character. There is a woman who married the Eiffel Tower, changed her last name to Eiffel. If you see her, call her Mrs. Eiffel. And true story. The one who married a Barbie doll, Someone who married a tree, particular tree, and someone even married an iBook. And they're serious about it. Why do you think they did this? Well, they are asked questions about it in the article that I read. And I, I can cut through the chase, really what they're saying. What they're saying is, 
I married the, the Eiffel Tower. I married the Berlin Wall. I married a video game character because I'm afraid. I'm scared to death. Now, why did Adam and Eve hide themselves from God? They said, we're, we're afraid. We were afraid because of fear, because of fear. Fear of who they had become, fear of God. Not healthy fear, but unhealthy fear. They hid from the very source of life and hope they had because of fear, fear of loss. And people experience pain sometime in life and relationships, even in marriage. And because of that, because of that past failure or, or that rejection or that shame or that awful satanic word guilt, they decide not to risk life anymore at all and they get away from the campfire entirely. No more campfire on me. I got burned a little bit with a spark came flashes me or I tried to get close and it was too hot or whatever they're thinking and they and they find themselves in a bad 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 place and their life is being lived by fear of life fear of God fear of people that tend toward isolation I can control this animate object it's always there when I want it to be there I don't have to be afraid of it I have security in this relationship and they do all those things and they're deadly serious about it putting very unhealthy lives in the process and people can tend toward isolation in this culture because this culture can be counterproductive to living a healthy life, building healthy campfires. It's hard work to do it for many reasons. But to avoid the possibility of that is to avoid life itself. To hide from God, hide from life, hide from real connections. To know God is to know grace and accountability and submission. To know others is to give grace, no accountability, and deal with submission. You know, I'm going to share a, another story today, and, and uh, if you don't know, uh, we've done a survey some time ago about the average age of each of our worship services. We want to know what they were, where are people going age-wise. You may not also know the average age of most Methodist churches throughout the country, especially smaller ones, is in the 70s and 80s, even 80s, late 80s. It's not uncommon. Our early 815 service, the average age there is around 65, uh, which not too far off from how old I am. I'm 61. The average age of this service is, drum roll, do you want to know? 42. So if you're younger than 42, you're in the younger category. You're older, you're the older. If you're 42, you're right the average. You're, you're average today if you're 42. Anybody here 42? Don't raise your hand. Don't point at your spouse. They're 42. 11 o'clock, the average age, which is another traditional service, is about 52. 10 years older than this service. The well and the well cafe the average age there is the same as this service. It's about 40, 41, 42. Same. And Saturday night, 42, give or take. So we have really young people, older people scattered around, some general themes of that. And I'm going to share something about how I, how I understand life and how it works for all of us in life. This applies to everyone, uh, especially people who are maybe on the older side, but I think everybody will connect with it as well. That life has a process just like a fire does. You know, you get a fire... And you get it started, you know, you put the rocks around it, put the wood on there, maybe a little lighter fluid, you know, which I prefer rather than trying to start it with that one, and get the fire going. And, and you sit there and you're nice and warm. And what happens as time goes on? Well, it builds up to be a great fire. And it's, it reaches the perfect point. Doesn't it do that? It's perfect fire. But, but what happens then? As time goes on, it begins to burn out, burn down a little bit, get smaller and smaller and smaller. And you have two choices, right? You sit there and say, it's getting colder and colder and colder and colder. You're just shivering, you know. And, oh, why, why is it so cold while well, the fire's going out? But you have, have, have an option, right? 
put some more logs in the fire, and you can keep that thing growing and burning as long as you choose to. Because if God's given us the grace, the guides, the gifts to build our campfire and our life healthy and full if we choose to do that or watch the fire go out. The natural process for most people is to build life like that. They build it. The processes they go through, they begin making it how they want it to be. They try to control it somewhat, get it just right where it's supposed to be, and then they stop. And slowly, imperceptibly, often without noticing, it begins to decline. Isolation happens. It gets smaller and smaller and smaller. We lose some friends. We move. Some of our family friends may pass away. These things happen to us, and so often life can become very empty and isolation as time goes on. I see it all the time. I see it sometimes at a funeral service where I'm called to do a funeral service. They say, well, Pastor Mike, we need you to do a funeral for us. We'll let you know. We hope there's more than five people there because this person, for whatever reason, quit putting wood on the fire, and the life has now become smaller and smaller and smaller. There's hardly anything left of that life, and I see that a lot. And that can be a lot of different ages, not always an older person. Have to people that are younger as well. I've seen that also. And there's people like Carl Beckham. Now, Carl Beckham, some may know Carl Beckham. Carl Beckham passed away a few years ago in his 80s. And Carl was different than that. In fact, uh, uh, my granddaughter, my oldest granddaughter, still loves Carl Beckham. Uh, when he passed away, I called her right away and told her, Mackenzie, Carl has passed away. Because when she was a little girl, uh, she, when she would see Carl here in church and come visit, and they visited in those years, they'd never have lived in Mansfield area, uh, she would say, there's that man who loves children. Uh, because he was so welcoming and he would get on his knee there and talk to her face to face and all the kids he did that with. And I tell, I tell Rhonda in those years, and I still tell Rhonda on occasion, or ask my wife, my wife's name is Rhonda. If you're a guest here, you don't know that. But uh, I ask Rhonda, am I, am I as old as Carl is yet? Because Carl reached a point where he would say what he wanted to say and kiss who he wanted to kiss. Uh, and I say, am I that, am I that old yet? And so far she says, no, I'll let you know when. So one of these days she'll say, okay, you're old enough. I don't care anymore. You just kiss who you want to kiss. But I'm not at that point at this, at this point. Uh, in fact, at his funeral, I gave everybody about a minute. said, stand up, and I want you all to say what you want to say and kiss who you want to kiss for one minute. If you were at that service, that was your last shot. You can't do that now. If you missed it, that was an opportunity that I now take away from you. That's not true, to, not true in this service right now. But he knew how to keep throwing logs in the fire well into his 80s. And the sanctuary was full when he passed away. Just full. Probably as many or more that are here right now came to his funeral in his 80s. That's not often the case. I illustrate that because isolation is destructive. It degrades life. It eliminates possibilities. It also is destructive to the health, physically, and the soul, spiritually. God did not come down each day there in that garden story because he needed Adam and Eve. He knew they needed him. And the day they hid from God when he came was a day it went downhill. The day guilt and shame marked them instead of grace and love, it went downhill from that point. You can use words like sin and and judgment, however you want to, but that's really what took place in that story. And it's an amazing story. So today we talk about the beginning of a four-week series about campfire. And I'll say it again. God's given each one of us the gifts and the guidance 
to build a healthy and full life if we choose to do that. And that life is always around his grace, warmth of his love, truth of Christ, and the word he gives us today. Will you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you today for the words you give us, the words in Genesis, the words in music and worship, the words of campfire, the words of life. May we learn from this God, may God our life, may you help us each one build a healthy life by the gifts and God that you offer us today and every day. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.